Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Hey everyone, how's it going? Um, so yeah, please, please get involved with Johnny. It's, it's great having people like him, um, but we're part of a family together. And so that's how we get to join in and be part of it together. Sorry, I'm not checking Instagram. I'm setting my timer uh, here as we start in. Um, great. So over the last last number of weeks, we have Phyllis started on to this series, Following Jesus in All of Life. You know that he explained this again, that part of our journey with this, probably since last summer, um, was that we just really wanted to try and establish and build within our church family just more of a culture of discipleship. Um, but one of the things that was uh, a bit of a stumbling block straight away to that was that it seemed to be that we had many different varied opinions on what discipleship actually meant. Um, different, to different people, it just meant different things. And so part of our conversations uh, as leaders around that stage was what could we give as a basic definition and understanding of discipleship. And as we explored the stories of Jesus and what he had called us to be, this is, this is what we landed on, following Jesus And all of life, this is in essence what it means to disciple. And you know that if you've been journeying over the last number of weeks as well, as Phil has stood in this stage with his trusted flip chart, uh, and he has written some things on it, um, you know one of the things a couple of weeks ago that he chatted about at that point was that while we are called to follow, we're called to follow a person, and that person is Jesus. But the way that we follow that person is by following the path the path that he laid out for us. You know, the book of Proverbs says this, you know, that don't swerve to the left or the right, but walk straight ahead, the path laid before you. And there's a path for each and every one of us. And and where we're going to go over the next number of weeks with this is we want to be very practical. So from next week, Phil's going to probably take a few weeks just to look at the life of Jesus, look at how he engaged, particularly around the area of prayer. So we're going to look specifically about how we pray, how Jesus leads us in, in in this area of prayer. We're going to look about what it means for us in terms of even how we evangelize. So how does Jesus lead us? How do we follow him in terms of evangelism? How we lead out different rhythms of life, things like hospitality, Sabbath, different things like that. But today, I just want to spend one last week looking at simply what it means to follow, what it means to follow Jesus. And, and to do that, um, we, we want to really explore today, I suppose, just about the journey of faith that is laid out for all of us. There's a journey which we are being and have been invited onto by Jesus. If you are a Christian, if you're a believer here this morning, this is what has been, uh, what we've been invited to be part of. And to do that, I'm just going to look at it in three different ways this morning. Really, basically, we're going to try to recognize the journey, try to just map that out. What does it look like? We're going to ask how we engage in the journey because there's an invitation for each and every person. And then finally, we're just going to leave space at the end just for the spirit to speak and try and discern right where are we at at the moment each individually um, and then ask where we want to be, I suppose, with that. Does that sound all right? Good stuff. All right, so recognize the journey, first point of this. Um, in terms of making disciples, I, I'm not, I'm not going to speak too long on this because I could totally go off on one. It's one of my favorite things to teach on is about how Jesus as a rabbi, Jesus, what he was doing at that stage was borrowing a traditional method of his time and how he made disciples. Making disciples for him wasn't about taking people into a classroom setting necessarily, although he did sit in the Sermon on the Mount and teach, but it wasn't about taking into a classroom setting and trying to teach in a lecture, lecture style. What was happening was that the rabbis of that day would invite people into a process of journeying 
It was a whole life thing. And so what they were being encouraged to do as disciples was being invited in the process of being, of looking, of listening, of observing, consuming everything about the rabbi, seeking to embody it themselves. And when a rabbi wanted to invite a disciple to be part of that, they would simply say the words, follow me. So one of the passages we see, this is the main passage we're going to be looking at this morning, Matthew chapter 4. Um, this is verse 18 to 22. And uh, this is when Jesus calls the first disciples. Uh, and we read that he says these words. It says, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them the words, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called to them. Again, immediately, they left their boat and their father, and they followed him. So what we've been invited, what we've the words that have been spoken over all of our lives as disciples of Jesus, if you're a believer here this morning, is because the words that have been spoken over our lives are these, follow me. And what this is for us is this is a holistic invitation to relationship. In every area of our lives, you've been invited into a relationship with Jesus, a relationship that engages with every area of your life so that you can outlive Jesus in every area of your life to those around you. It's a holistic invitation to relationship. It's much more than just simply just putting a label or a title of Christian. This is what we've been invited onto. Because the thing is, nowhere, you can come up and correct me if I'm wrong, I, what I read anyway, I don't see anywhere in the Gospels or anywhere else in the Bible for that matter, where we read of the idea of a sinner's prayer. The last thing that Jesus did, I can see anywhere, was he got people to say, I want you to kneel down, I want you to repeat these words after me. And when you've repeated, that means you're in. Box tech, let's get on. There, there wasn't that process. There wasn't that, Jesus doesn't seem to do that. What he does is that he says, these words follow me. But that understanding seems to be, by and large, what we've understood it to have been. Now, I'm going to be talking on this this morning. That is crucial in the mark and the journey of every person. If you're calling yourself a believer and a disciple of Jesus, there has to be that point where there's a recognition of sin and repentance of it and the turning away from it. Of course, that is part of it. But that is not necessarily done in just a magical prayer where there's a formulaic words and people freak out thinking, am I getting this right? Am I saying it right or not? Because what Jesus was more concerned about weren't about the words that people were saying he was concerned about what's going on in here what's happening in your heart this is the God who searches hearts and minds and he's concerned about what's going on inside of here the thing is is that we can so easily um you know we can so easily be well led I suppose in some of our thoughts on this I uh, I heard I heard just about different theories and understandings about um, which can be applied to church, but about different organizations and how they engage with culture and in their social environments around them. And, and two main ways in which organizations, but particularly churches, so the organization that I read just some of their research on and this, how it was applied to churches, it really just caught my understanding about sometimes how this can even just creep into my own thinking, which can be a, 
as Warwick would sometimes say, a stinking thinking um, way of, of addressing some of the things that we look at in, in the Bible. But sometimes it can just totally mislay some of our thinking. It seems to be that the two, way in, two main ways that this um, theory would, would address it, one of them would be this idea, it's called a bounded set. And then this idea of bounded set, the main distinctions that separates it is the main distinction is between who is in and who is out. Right? This, is, this is the clear boundary, who's in and who's out. In terms of church, we see it as black and white, who is saved and who is unsaved. That is an important distinction, right? I'm not downplaying that or dismissing it, who's in the kingdom and who's not. Jesus teaches in that. He says that at the end of time, he says that the angels will gather the people together and they'll separate the goats from the sheep. They'll separate those on the left and those on the right. Some will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Some will go into eternal punishment. He talks about this, about who's in and who's not. But it seems to be that this is almost like the black and white. This is the distinction that the church gets so focused on. Jesus teaches and speaks to us all about this. It seems to be, though, even in this, in this set, that it seems to be that even when it comes to the area of evangelism, what can so easily happen is that evangelism is focused on, right, let's go out to the people who are outside and we're going to, we're going to preach hellfire and brimstone to them and I hope that they'll come in. And, uh, and the way that we'll be distinctive and together so that we can protect ourselves is that this is how we'll clearly define things. If people believe the same thing as us and if they behave the same thing as us, then we can say they belong to us. <laughs> That's simply what it's become in some of the church. And I just want to say in this, I just want to name my colors to the mass in this. For me, I see this as a religious spirit all over this one. I see that this is a religious way of looking at it. Now, I'm not saying it in judgment. And the reason why I'm saying that is because I feel myself creeping into some of the thoughts on this at times. I can so easily start to think in this way. And yet this is by and large what it seems to have been, particularly within much of the church within Northern Ireland, this is how things have been thought. Now, the issue with this, let me explain this, let me go on. The issue with this, however, is so what happens if somebody has a crisis of faith? Or there's bits of the faith that they can't quite understand. They're struggling to believe. Not in talking about like the fundamentals and like repentance, repentance is key to the kingdom. I'm not talking about things like that. But say there's certain things they're struggling with. Or let's say that they have a slip or a fall in terms of their life where maybe they, they, they fall into something and they're, maybe they're not quite walking closely or fully in the area of Jesus, following Jesus in some area of their life. What happens with those people? Do we suddenly then define them and say, right, well, sorry, you're out at this point. And how do those people then become in again at that point? What do they have to go through? Is there some, it, it all gets very confusing. And even for people, this is where guilt and condemnation, I think, can sometimes creep in. Because sometimes when things happen, they think to themselves, oh, I can't, I can't pray to God because I'm not really in. I feel more out at this point. This is sometimes one of the things that can so easily happen. Jesus, again, does say to repent. He says, change how you think. Repentance is significant, but he doesn't, again, offer in the gospel a magic formula prayer. Again, he's more interested about what's going on inside the heart. You see, the thing was, for the Pharisees of the day, these were the people that Jesus came and spoke out against more than any other. These were the ones that had come up almost with what looked like for them a safe thing, almost like what we have now done with the sinner's prayer. They had their own interpretation of the law. It was like a tick box if they went down each and every one of them. It meant in their heads they knew they were safe. And anyone who wasn't able to do the tick box meant that they were out. 
It's almost like what we have done with the sinner's prayer. Again, I am not diminishing or downplaying the fact that people have acknowledged sin before the Lord. That is crucial. But for some people, they might have prayed words without even really meaning it or understanding. And it's just been like, I just want to pray this just to get on with it, to tick a box and to go on. Jesus is the one who is looking at our hearts and knows what is our heart's desire before him. And so Jesus, what he has said, and this is what we're going to look at in Matthew's gospel this morning, just repeatedly. What Jesus says to people is he doesn't say, right, let's bend down with me and repeat after me these words and pray. Jesus says, come with me, follow me, come into this journey with me. Let's go on a journey together, journeying into the heart of the Father. And he says these words follow. So some other examples of this in the book of Matthew. So he read this one this morning, Matthew 4, and he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Matthew chapter 8, and Jesus said to him, follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. Matthew chapter 9, and Jesus passed on from there. He saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. Matthew chapter 10, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Matthew chapter 16, very similar to the one before. And Jesus told the disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. For me, that's almost like the repentance part where there's an acknowledgement of what is really wrong about us as we stand before God. Let him deny himself. There's a repentance of that, but then take up his cross and follow me. Come after me. Matthew 19, Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. You see, the Greek word for follow me, I don't know how to pronounce it, but there it is written in Greek. This is, this is what it means, right? Literally, what it translates as is, come after me. So like in the future, come after me. Well, we're saying that we want to follow Jesus. And we're going to be very practical about this. We want to learn what are some of the ways and how he would do things that we want to try and practice and replicate. What Jesus was saying was this, in the follow me, it was come after me. This was the invitation. Jesus was saying, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to begin things. And then what you've been invited to do is to come after him, to follow him. While he will begin, we've been invited to continue. <laughs> the works that he has begun, we've been invited to continue. Come and follow me. We've been invited not just to belong, but we've been invited to participate. Part of the kingdom of God together. Come and follow me are the words that Jesus is saying. Then time ahead, follow me into these things. Repeat, do the same as me after I have done them. This is why we've used this definition, following Jesus in all of life. And what this leads us on to is just, so again, um, with, in terms of this theory, this theory, it was the second way of understanding, which for me fits more clearly in terms of what I feel Jesus is inviting us into. I want to take just a few minutes just to look at this, and then I'm going to ask us just to look about what this actually means for us in our lives. And the second one of this is what we call, instead of a bounded set, it's what's known as a centered set. With the centered set, at the center of it all is Christ. Jesus is in all things, before all things. We're going to look at him this morning. He is the one that Paul, or the writer of Hebrews says, looking on to him, the author and the perfecter of our faith, right? So it's Jesus is at the center of all things. And what happens is that we've been invited then to start on to a journey. Jesus has spoken the words, come and follow me. 
And people, what we've been invited to do is to start journeying closer and closer and closer and closer and closer to the heart of God, becoming more and more like Jesus day and daily. The heart of the Father is that each day we'll be going closer and further and deeper into the things of God. We realize, listen, none of us, none of us are or will be in this life at that very center point where we say we're perfect. One day we will stand before the Father, made complete and whole in him. But the invitation for all of us is come and journey into the heart of the Father. This is the journey that Jesus invites us all. For some people, this guy down at the bottom in the blue circle, for some people they are far away from God. Many who don't even believe in his existence, many who do but don't want to be in a relationship with God or people who, who know him but don't really know how to get into a relationship with him. But yet to all, to every person, for anybody who is outside of Christ, this is what the heart and the cry of the gospel is. You see, at one stage we were created to be in a relationship with God. That was what the creation mandate was upon every person. And then when sin comes into the world, it blocks relationship. And see, the ministry of reconciliation, Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5. It says, now that we have been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation, this is now what we say. We call out to all creation and we say, be reconciled to God once again. Be restored and joined back into relationship with the Father once again. Because this is what, the, what was the original intention upon every person. And so the journey and the hope is that we would call every person back into this. We still want to explain the heart of God, but we want to remind people all that they've been. And the thing for me when I, when I look at this is that I recognize that for every person, what can so easily creep into our evangelism is that we want to get the deal done and sorted right there and then. And so sometimes we can go at it Hell and brimstone, like we're just gonna, we're gonna make sure we're almost gonna get them in a headlock. You're gonna say the sinner's prayer. We're gonna, we're gonna make sure you do this and get you through. But yet, for every person, there's a journey, <laughs> there's a process. And so, for me, when I think of so the passage we just read in Matthew chapter four, Jesus calls out to Simon Peter and his brother Andrew, and he says the words, "Follow me." Let me ask a question: At what point did Peter become saved? <laughs> Was it when he started to follow? There's still lots of stuff that he had to learn. At what point did he really believe? You see, what I do know is by two years, maybe just slightly after Jesus gives the initial invitation, Jesus also asks Peter this question. He says, Peter, who do people say I am? And Peter says, well, Lord, some people say that you're Elijah. Some people say you're a prophet. And then Jesus looks into his heart and he says, who do you say I am? And Peter at this stage says, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah, the Son of God. And Jesus says, he says, Peter, he says, human flesh hasn't revealed this to you. He says, this is with the Father. And at this moment, because we know this is the scripture backs this up. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you're saved. <laughs> right, at that moment, we can say, right, Peter's, Peter's saved. He's made this decision. He's acknowledged everything about him that needs acknowledged. He's brought it before the Lord at this point. But there was a journey up to this process for him. For some people, they've been on the journey for quite a while. So here's a guy with a blue circle who's a bit further up. They've been on the journey for a while. And what happens is that as we're called into more and more of the heart of the Father, this is where we should start to see ourselves changing 
The Bible says that that's not what we looked at in our last series. We're being transformed and changed from one degree of glory to another. Each step we go along, we're becoming more and more and more like him. So this is where the fruit of the Spirit should start to become more evident in our lives. Galatians 5 says this. We don't walk according to the flesh anymore, but according to the Spirit. So the closer you are towards the center, you should start to see some of these things starting to present themselves. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit should start to become more and more evident as we go in. And this... Listen to this. This is what Jesus means. The closer and closer and closer and closer and closer you get to the center. This is what Jesus means by living life to the full. It's not just about, right, we're going to have a good time. We're going to have loads of fun on this. We're having a party. It's Jesus saying living life to the full is this. Becoming more and more and more and more like him. This is what the heart and hope of the Father is for each and every one of us. Finally, in this, just before we look at the last couple of points really quickly, regardless of what stage of the journey we're on, one of the most significant things for us to ask ourselves is this. How are we positioned? How are we orientated as people in this? So let me say this. Firstly, are you, with the green arrows, are you a person that is looking to Jesus, that your eyes are on him? This is the only way that we can start to really get into the center with our eyes on him. Or are there certain places, areas of our lives where our eyes are off him? As believers, we need to ask ourselves questions for this. We're going to spend time reflecting this. But maybe for someone who, again, if you're in the room this morning and you don't yet know Christ, first thing I would be saying is this. Let us, let us show you Jesus. I hope that you get to see Jesus and people in the room this morning. But let us, let us show you Jesus. Get to know Jesus. Get your eyes on him. Let us tell you about him. For some people as well, with, when it comes to our evangelism strategies, it's like we, we want to be able to journey with people. We want to be able to help. So like Butters this morning, the great thing about Butters, and I'm going to be speaking about this later, is that because of what Butters is doing in his life, suddenly young people in Craig Avon are starting to look towards Jesus. <laughs> Have they made a decision yet? Not all of them. But are they starting to look towards Jesus? Yeah. Do you see what happens in our lives with this? Is that how we actually orientate and help people and position ourselves and help other people is crucial with this. And so we look towards Jesus. We look onto him, the author and the perfecter of our faith. How we are orientated affects what happens in the next part of the journey whether we begin to journey closer into the things of God or to journey away. If you're positioned and turned away, you're less likely to go towards and vice versa. So highway orientated is crucial. But for all of us, final thing, just saying this, for all of us, there's more that God has for us. Whatever stage of the journey, listen, some of you might be in a really great place with Jesus, and that's amazing, but there's more. You, ha you haven't reached it yet. There's more. And so this is what Paul even says. Paul, he wrote... Most of the New Testament says this to us, not that I have already attained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize for the upward call of God 
in Christ Jesus. Let's keep pressing on for this. Second thing we just wanted to simply say was this. While we recognize that that is the journey, so for me, that sits more easy with me. For me, it's not a clear of, right, let's get a distinction between who's in and who's out because it's really important that we make that point where we acknowledge our sin, but that is just the beginning, right? There's a journey that lies ahead for all of us. That's what I believe. The next thing to do is, right, when we know that in here, what do you do about that? Because the invitation that Jesus gives to every single person is follow me. Come on to this journey. Jesus is saying, come and learn with me. Come and walk with me. Journey this with me. And so as we engage in the journey, we need to realize that there's two sides to this. Firstly, we need to engage in the journey. Firstly, personally, as you journey into the things of God, so whatever stage it's at, there does need to be that point where you recognize your need of a savior and you put your trust in him for eternal life, right? It is fundamental where we recognize Jesus I need you. This is what Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says, for by grace you've been saved through faith. Not not of yourselves. You can't work this out in yourself so that you can boast about it. Not of works, but it's it's a free gift. It's called grace. And what we need to realize is that there has to be this point where where that red line is turned away, that there's a recognition of our sin and there's a turning towards Christ. This Action itself is what the book of Proverbs says is this is what it means to be saved as people who receive mercy. It says, whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper. But listen, he who confesses and forsakes then will obtain mercy. It's a different stance. It's God, I recognize my sin. And so now what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn away and I'm going to walk away from it towards you. This is what it means truly in repentance. It's not again just saying a magic formula like prayer, but it's true repentance, turning away and walking towards Jesus. But when you've made the decision, right, as I've said, it's while in terms of the fact that you've been justified, you stand holy and righteous before Jesus, Jesus wants to change you to become more and more and more like him. This is what it calls sanctification. He wants to take you on a journey. He's not finished with you. He's not satisfied just to, while he takes you as you are, he's not satisfied to leave you as you are and he wants to lead you closer and become more and more and more and more like him. And how we do that, we set our eyes on Jesus. Again, author of Hebrews says this, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and the seated at the right hand of the Father, looking to Jesus. This is Jesus who Paul in Colossians says this, in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. We look to Jesus. This is why next week as we start to look practically at some of the things that Jesus did, we can look to Jesus because in him the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He is the one who is our true and full example. So how are we moving forward? What areas of growth are you seeing in your life? There's a personal engagement with it, but... Because we're part of a body of Christ, we need to recognize that we have a responsibility in how we engage in the journey with others. Just two or three minutes in this, and then we're going to leave space just for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Firstly, firstly with this one, when it comes to how we engage with others, again, when it comes to people on the edge, people with evangelism, people not yet part of the kingdom family, some of them are hardened in their hearts against God or simply don't believe how we begin to journey with people is important. It's so crucial that we speak the truth. We never water down the gospel of Jesus, right? But you should always be able to tell your story. Always be able to tell people about what you believe in Jesus. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. 
Paul says that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the gift of God. It's, it's, this, is, this is the good news of Jesus. Let's not be ashamed of what we carry, but let's be willing at all times to live it out before other people. So, you know, I've used this phrase a few weeks ago. One of the things I feel that God would lead us to, that's why we want to look what this practically looks like, is this, that we would be people that would live questionable lives. Johnny living a questionable life in the middle of Craig Avon. What I mean by that is that people are looking at him and they're starting to ask questions. Why are you so weird? They're probably thinking in their head initially. Why are you, why, the policeman's probably thinking, why on earth are you phoning me about this? Have you seen this lad's a waste of space? And I said, he's probably thinking. And suddenly there's questions that are starting to be asked. And as we do that, what it starts to do is that it causes people to start to turn their gaze towards Jesus. I heard somewhere over the week, weekend about someone from another church was telling the story about a person who had been suicidal, had tried to commit suicide up to nearly 20 times and eventually came to faith. And they asked them, they said, what, what was your reason? Why, why did you then at that point become a Christian? And they said this line, they said there was a person, one of the leaders in the church who knew you every single time, had told them every single time. And they said, they never gave up on me. They said there was something about them. They said it was just so different. Everyone else had given up, but they didn't give up. And suddenly it causes them to change. They start to look and say, what is it that you have? It causes people to start to look towards Jesus. But what about people who are already saved for the people who are further on. Last thing just to say on this. What about if we see people in church who start to fall into sin or we see people that we just recognize and I got to check myself on this sometimes where you just want to just have a fight in both camps. You want to say you're part of the kingdom but you want to carry on with your own lifestyle. You want to say you want to go after Jesus but yet you actually want to go after some of those other things that you really like doing and don't want to give up. Or what about some people who are new to faith and they're not actually aware about what God's desires and bests are in certain areas of their life, but you see them doing something? What do we do at that moment? So what we could do is we could either think about it in a bounded set mindset where we could say, you're so wrong in what you're doing. We could speak in judgment. We could add more shame and guilt and condemnation onto this person. Or what we could do as well sometimes is that we just say nothing. We think, oh, I don't want to offend you, so I'm not going to say anything. And you see, our hearts for one another, shouldn't it, should be that for each and every person, where do we want all of us to go in this diagram? We all want to go towards the center, don't we? And you shouldn't just want it for yourself. You should want it for every single person that's part of this church. The only way that we're going to thrive and grow as a church community and step into the fullness of God is if everybody is part of the journey. We don't want anyone left behind in this. It's a heart of a leadership. We don't want just certain people to get it and say, well, isn't that great? We want every person. This is the whole point of discipleship is that while we grow in width, we want to make sure that everyone is growing in depth. We want to make sure that there is the discipleship of every individual that would happen. That's why we want to call us all together. How can we help one another? That's why in life groups, this week has been great already hearing stories about people here sharing things. Even in my own life group, it's great just being able to share me and Willie and Andy, just being able to share together just certain issues in our lives where it's just like, actually our orientation at the moment probably because of this isn't towards Christ. <laughs> being able to be open with one another in it. But here's the thing when we talk these things out together. It's so important that we need to recognize is that the thing that's different about this is that we've been invited into a journey 
But this journey is totally marked. Every single step that we take, every journey, every single part of it is marked by the word grace. Grace is the thing that started it off for you. So it's the reason why you're saved. And it's the reason why you'll keep being saved. The grace of God. That old hymn we sing, your grace has led us this far and your grace will lead us home. It's grace that sustains us and keeps us going. That's why, you know, it's one of my favorite verses of all time. I love this because this is what allows me to have freedom in my life. The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. The religious mind says, you're right. You've blown it. Forget about it. The enemy says, just give up. You see, the enemy, what he wants you to do is that there's one thing you being saved, but the enemy doesn't want you to step into the fullness of God. He wants you to stop where you're at right now in the journey. So the religious mind will say, just give up. The grace of God says, get up and keep going. Keep going after it. And so how do we help one another in that? Finally, just to say this, if you see or recognize something in someone's life that probably just isn't great, what I would love to ask us all to do is, firstly, could we speak the truth and love to one another? And if we're going to look on to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, here's what Jesus leads us to do in the book of Matthew. He says this, if your brother sins against you, doesn't say ignore him, don't make eye contact with him because you're too worried to say something. He says this, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. It's like, take him aside and just speak to him. Just say, listen, I'm not saying this in judgment. I've seen you doing this and I just don't think that it's what God's best is for your life. So can we talk about that together? Can, we, can I help you with that? Again, I'm not saying judgment, but can I help you? I want to help you with this because if you suffer, I suffer. <laughs> we suffer together. And then it says this, if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established in the evidence of two or three witnesses. So it's almost like if they won't listen to you, maybe if you bring two or three other people, Jesus is saying this, bringing the two or three other people isn't so that now this person isn't shamed because these people know about it. But hopefully if grace is evident in the room, suddenly there'll be a, a wake-up moment for this person. They're like, oh, what am I doing? And realizing that actually their eyes are off Jesus and suddenly there's a reorientation back towards him. Because the heart of God is that we will continue to journey into the more of him. And then Jesus says this, and if, and if he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. Tell it to the church leaders. Let's get the church involved. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. You see, the whole heart of this is that for every single person, that we would engage in the journey. So the invitation that's been put out, and this is why we want to just practically step this out. Right? What does it mean? How? Because it's one thing to say that, right? We want to go after the heart of God. We want to go into the center. But how do you do that? And so we want to be very practical about just how we step that out. But for each and every one of us, this is the invitation that Jesus says, follow me. So if you're saved, you've begun that already. But you need to know that that prayer alone has been crucial. But there's so much more that God has for you. Don't miss out on God's best for your life. The enemy wants to blind and to steal and to kill and destroy everything that God has for you. Don't let him. And as a community together, let's engage with us personally, but let's engage with it together and go after it. What I would love us to do, just as Steve and the guys come, I would love to leave space just for a couple of minutes. And I would love us to discern where we are at in the journey. We're all at different stages. Let's be realistic. 
And maybe for you personally, uh, over the last while, you might feel you have gone back a little, or you might feel that you've gone towards, closer towards the heart of God. What I, what I want to simply do is just read this verse just as we finish, and then I want all of us just to spend a bit of stillness just before the Lord and allow the Spirit to speak. Jesus says these words. This is the message version. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. One of the questions I just wanted to simply ask, why don't you close your eyes just at this moment? One of the questions I'd love to just simply ask is for some people in the room, you've maybe never stepped onto this journey before and the invitation this morning is afresh to you will you come and follow there's nothing judging that says that you, you're not good enough or you're too bad it's just would you start to follow if you feel this morning that that's you that you've never said a yes even to the beginning of this why don't we just leave a few seconds if that's you I would love every eye's closed I would love you just to give us a wave this morning if that's you we'd love to pray with you What I would love for all of us, just as we still sit in silence here, let's continue to allow the Holy Spirit to speak. For, for all of us, none of us are at the center, and there's different things in our lives that can take our focus and our gaze off Jesus. There might be some areas in your life at the moment that just feels this word, are you tired? Are you worn out? It feels like that the walk has just become a crawl, or it's stopped even maybe even starting to go back a little because of certain things or certain areas. And listen, these might not necessarily be big, massive sins. <laughs> might just be distractions. This is part of the tactic of the enemy. I just want you to take a minute's silence and just allow the Holy Spirit to speak and to pinpoint some of those areas for you personally. Whether the areas that maybe need checked or need readdressed or need a bit of refocus. Speak, Holy Spirit, we pray.
This morning we're all going to finish in a little while standing and singing a song together. It simply says the word to give my life to follow everything I believe in. But I just feel for some of us this morning, just in this moment, just to be able to respond to this. If you feel that there is an area in your life, again, this isn't standing to acknowledge sin publicly. If you feel that, you can. But it's, if there's even an area in your life where you just feel those words tired, worn out, you feel that it's almost like that you're banging th- something, it's pressing together, it's, there's not an ease in it. Maybe there's certain things that have just taken your gaze off Jesus and you're finding it hard to see him. I would love you to do this morning. We want to pray with you. If you feel that that's you in any of those, I would love you just this morning just to be able to stand so that we could just pray for a freshness of grace upon us this morning in this. I need it. If you feel that there's anything in your life that you just would love to say, God, I'm tired in this area. It's been a struggle in this. This morning, I just want to respond to you. If you feel that you in any of these things, why don't you stand with me this morning and So for me personally, let me just be transparent. For me personally, the thing for me it was just my, probably sometimes my inability to say no to people. It can be a thing that leaves you tired, worn out, and a focus off God. So it's not as if it's a massive area of sin, but it takes focus off. And it's just good to be able to bring these things and allow the Holy Spirit to pinpoint because it's fullness of life that he has for us as he speaks and whispers in grace this morning. Let me just pray for every person standing and then we're all going to stand just to worship as we close. Father, thank you for your love and for your grace. God, thank you for your mercy that is fresh every morning. God, even in these moments, God, in the different areas, God, Lord, that you pinpoint in our lives, thank you that you gently lead us. Jesus, I thank you that you walk beside us. I thank you that the invitation you give us is to follow. Thank you that you've gone before and you've shown us and now the work that you've begun, we come behind to complete. And so we just want to walk in your ways. We don't want to walk to the left or to the right. And so God, I pray, Lord, into every one of these areas that are represented, God, in people's lives as they stand. God, I just pray, Lord, for, for breakthrough where breakthrough is needed. God, I pray, Lord, for grace to be fresh, God, upon every mind and every heart. I pray your peace to rest heavy in every mind. God, where there needs to be a refocus, God, a realignment, God, maybe in those areas, God, maybe things that have maybe been areas of sin or areas, God, where our eyes are off you, God, would you refocus us and reposition us, God, this week we give ourselves to you fresh. We commit ourselves, Jesus, and we thank you that for everybody in this room, 
God, there is fullness of life that you have for us. God, while the enemy steals, kills, and destroys, Jesus, thank you that this is what you said your kingdom is all about, that we would have life and that we would have it in the fullest way possible. And so it's that that we want to say yes to. It's that is the reason why we look to you, our eyes fully on you afresh. So Spirit, would you give us eyes to see? Give us ears to hear what you're saying. Would you lead us? We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk. Why why don't we all stand together this morning just as a song of response just in these last couple of minutes and then Phil will come and close us just in prayer.